Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, it's 1234. We think we've got some of the technical difficulties worked out. This is Oilers Now, where guests receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Roos Chris, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow Sizzle to uh, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Maggie and the staff that uh, Oilers Now sent you at Roos Chris. We'll get to some more uh, Heartland Ford texts in a second. 630, 630. Uh, this text comes in from Dan. He says, some people really can't let this uh, Kevin Lomack team thing go. Personally, uh, it's getting old finding a new dog to kick people. This may not uh, this may not be popular, but what about Mark Messier? There's no better uh, motivator or leader. I know this would cause an uproar, but if you start listening to the fans, you'll soon be sitting with them. Uh, love the show. Um, I don't see Mark Messier being the solution. I mean, I just don't. Okay. Former defenseman Mark says, Bob, I sent some unread great texts Tuesday. Well, glad you feel our great text, Mark. Unfortunately, they weren't read. The Peter issue is dead and buried. We can't change the past. We need to get over it. The Koskinen deal by Nicholson's own omission was not all on Shirelli. I've broken the deal down many times and won't again. I want to know who else was part of that deal. They need to be removed. Well, the pro scouts sat. They met, they looked at the potential free agent goaltenders, and they elected to sign Koskinen to a three-year extension. And Mark, that signing is going to be criticized for a while until Koskinen starts playing a lot better. So your text at this, but this, the, and again, Nicholson stated point blank in the pro scout meetings, which would have included Craig McTavish and Dwayne Sutter, who I personally believe probably had the greatest input since he's the director of pro scouting. Uh, remember, the Edmonton Oilers fired Maury Gare, who I personally was not the biggest fan of, may I add. Uh, they fired Maury Gare. I like Maury on a personal level, but, you know, there were some decisions made circa 2008 to 2015 that it didn't exactly work out for Edmonton. I think Maury's a good guy, and I think Maury could easily work for Hockey Canada. But Peter Sorelli fired Maury Gare, and I believe Dave Semenko, God rest his soul, as well as head amateur scout Stu McGregor, Brad Davis, and Kent Hawley on about June the 20th of 2015. And I believe by that point... Um, Specifically, Dwayne Sutter had gotten some input on the pro side. I'll, I'll say something else to you right now, point blank. I believe that the Edmonton Oilers um, need to spend more money in analytics. I do. There are some organizations out The Toronto Bay Police have five full-time analytics people. And the Oilers have got a couple guys that have moved over from other areas uh, sort of developing as analytics types. you got to look for every form of competitive advantage. Advantage you can. You can text us at six thirty six thirty. This text comes in from Kootenay Dan out of Castlegar, which is where you got to fly into when you go to Castlegar. And uh, those areas in and around there, I know somebody that uh, lives in Nelson. I think he's uh, just staying away from the government right now. Kootenay Dan says, "Bob, 
How do you deal with so much anger from the trolls and fans? How do you keep your sanity? I believe the team will eventually get a turnaround, says Cootie Dan, and I'm frustrated as a fan as well. Thanks for keeping an even keel. Love the show. Keep it going. I also believe that Daryl Cates wants his team to succeed. He has a lot of vested fans uh, that need to uh, back off or come up with a, uh, a half billion or so. I'm so sick of the trolls having a good time at our expense from Kootenai Dam. One thing rectifies everything else. The Oilers have to start winning. I don't, I'll say this right now, Kootenai Dam, the Oilers have to start winning. The trolls, you know, nobody brought up the Oilers' old boys when Peter Shirelli was up for general manager of the year, executive of the year in 2017, and Todd McClellan was up for coach of the year. Unfortunately for Edmonton, the Oilers doubled down on building a heavier squad. And I'm here to tell you again that Peter Shirelli, and this this is all not blaming Peter because he was part of the reason why the team won the 47 games in 16-17. But Peter had a lot of autonomy. And if he were to do the show right now, he would say, Bob, I had a lot of of autonomy. And the moves specifically this year did not work out. And the team ended up not having the requisite scoring support up front. And Edmonton has to, and I don't even, you know, we have to get to the point where we start figuring out and having shows on, all right, how do the Oilers improve their forward units moving forward? Because that's going to be part and parcel. I actually think they have a lot of depth defensemen, uh, young defensemen coming. They're not in a bad spot on D. The goaltending is a question mark, and that's fair right now. And the Koskinen signing, just as it did when he came over at one year at $2.5 Right now, the Koskinen signing is one that's easily questioned. But the owners have to get better forwards up front. There's no question about that. All right, without further ado, let's get to our conversation, which, uh, full clarity, we pre-taped during the Oilers' optional morning skate today with NHL Hockey and Rogers, Louis DeBrusque. Louis, here we are in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, and the Edmonton Oilers on a six-game losing streak. They have picked up a couple points. And frankly, uh, and I know I've had this discussion a lot with Jack over the last few weeks, I think right now the hockey club's playing better on the road than they are at home. Obviously, Edmonton's won only two of their last 12 home games. Yeah, I mean, you can see the results. There's no question that they're having a little more success on the road, and I really can't tell you what why that is or what factors into that, but one thing I do know is on the road, there, sometimes there's less thinking involved, and, and what I mean by that is you don't have last change, so you're, you're more prepared for the matchups you're going to get handed, and, and that's how you approach the game. So you go out there and do what you can, and you're not second-guessing yourself in that regard. You're going out there trying to outplay the line that's across from me. And right now, that's the mentality this team has to have, is outplaying the line that's across from me on the ice. And it doesn't matter who it is. Um, obviously, you have to be aware of certain lines and combinations that are on the ice when you're against them. But they also need to be aware of certain line combinations that are on them against them with the Oilers. So it goes hand-in-hand. Hand. But for right now, they've put themselves in a position the last three games to have a lead in the third period. And then it's it's fallen away, and they've lost those three games respectively. Two in overtime, one um, a five game a five goal burst by the Chicago Blackhawks last game that left a sour taste in everybody's mouth. But they just need to continue to do what they do early in games. I've liked their starts in two of the last three games. I like their start in Philly, and I like their start versus Chicago. It's, from that point, though, it started to dissipate, and it started to go away. And now it's just a matter of trying to maintain that intensity and that game plan throughout 60 minutes, and not always an easy thing to do. Teams, are when they feel it, 
Um, you can you can feel it in a game when it's starting to turn, and you can see the Blackhawks after they tied it 2-2 and went ahead 3-2. It just the, the train got rolling and they never really stopped, and Edmonton wasn't able to get back on track. All right, right now it looks like there's a lack of belief with the team come crunch time, and that's part of the reason why they you know they've blown the three lead third period leads coming back from this All Star weekend bye week. As a former player, have you been on teams where you sensed that you didn't you, you couldn't close out games when you get up got up, and conversely, were you? on teams where you knew you were going to be able to get back in games yes and yes um and and you're right you know i think that there is a a lack of confidence with this team right now because of the way things have gone but at the same time uh, you know i look at it and i say they put themselves in a position again they've they've played some really good stretches inside the game to put themselves in a situation to to win a game um but for me, what I what I see is is again the deflation, and we've talked about this over the years past. When something negative happens to the team, it seems like instead of rebounding with an aggressive, positive shift to try and get it back in your favor, they deflate, and that's got to go by the wayside and, and, and just stay in the battle. And, and listen, it doesn't matter what coach we're talking about; they're all going to say you need to stay in the battle, stay in the hunt. Ken Hitchcock said it many times since he's been on board that you have to stay in that pressure-filled game as long as possible, and. Not only offensively, I know we always want to trend to the offensive side of the game, but for me personally, it's the defensive side of the game that's killing them right now. And it doesn't, you know, they're scoring goals, they're getting production from guys. It's the defensive side of the game, the breakdowns, the mental lapses that are destroying any opportunities to claw into games and win them. So, for when I look at that third period against the Chicago Blackhawks, there's a couple goals that you say whatever. A good shot by Strom, if you want to call it that, through a defender, he was screened. Okay, perfect. I'll give him that. That, no big deal. A rebound goal that jams away. Nobody picks up Kane coming back and he bangs it in. Okay, it's 4-2. But the Kajula goal to me, which was the backbreaker, is four guys back in right position, in right position, and they're looking behind the net at Jonathan Taze, and nobody takes the dangerous guy in the high slot. I haven't seen too many guys score from behind the net this year. There's been a couple, but the most dangerous guy in the slot hasn't been picked up, and that is a panic team and a team that isn't thinking on the ice they're just going through the motions and so i believe they just have to get back to thinking a little bit more and being a little more assertive in that regard we're joined by nhl hockey and rogers analyst louis uh DeBrusque. bob stoffer with you on oilers now louis uh, you know it's 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 interesting i mean again you've been a part of teams and this is a different era different generation of players when things were going bad when you played did you have coaches that were lighting the team up uh, on the bench during games. You're laughing already. Yeah. And conversely, did you have guys that had a very calm, passive approach? And can you share with us some of those experiences? I can share some of those experiences. Well, let's let's put one. Let's make one thing. You know straight here is the fact that it was different back then. There wasn't a three-hour rule, number one, so you could be at the rink for a long time. <laughs> and a lot of times we were. I remember Ronnie Lowe bag skated us at the West Edmonton Mall. We did like the double duty of bag skate. So we skated, went back home for an hour and a half. We didn't even leave the, the mall and came back and skated again, I think for two or three days in a row. Come on. But no, he didn't. And finally, he came in after the first practice on the third day and said, do we have to do this again or are we done? And then he gave us a day off. We had a break in the schedule and we were never so happy to hear him say okay we're done because number one you're skating in front of the people at the mall um you're embarrassed because of your play already and now you're getting more embarrassed because you're you're doing wallies at the mall and people are watching <laughs> just absolutely get annihilated on the ice wallies wallies which is from end to end you just start at one side you go to the other one two three four over and backs i mean it's just 
just absolutely trying to flush it out of your system. Now, did it work? Hey, listen, we struggled a lot that year, and we, we continued to struggle that year, but he was trying to break it out of our system. And then, you know what, Jeff Brubaker down the minors, I remember it was, you know, stay clear of him when he came in the room because he was going to shatter the Gatorade. I'm talking the big, huge Gatorade bottles. The orange ones. He would obliterate those. Uh, the table would go flying. Sticks would get smashed. Uh, you know, so... Did it work? Well, you know, you could argue, yeah, it worked. Maybe it kind of, we responded from it the next period or whatnot. But then I look at Glenn Sather, and I only had Glenn Sather as a little while for a head coach. Glenn Sather, to me, was more of a, you know, he, he he was more to me the psychology major. You know, he was kind of he was that guy that would rather tweak with you mentally. He would rather push buttons a different way. And uh, I don't know. For me, I think that was I responded better to that personally. I thought when a coach came out and kind of uh, pushed a button here, poked a button here, led to a positive reaction here, then then that worked for me. Sometimes a kick in the butt worked as well. But you know what? Listen, the game has changed. You can't do that nowadays. You can try, but I think you'll get shut out. It's about trying to get the most out of each player individually in the league right now and as a coach that's a real tough order because you have different personalities and any good coach general manager over the past if you listen to them speak they'll say this is the one important thing you can't treat everybody the same you have to treat individual players to what suits them best and that's the hardest part for everybody is trying to figure out what buttons you need to push for individual players to make them provide you with the best possible game they can play and uh, sometimes it doesn't take much sometimes there's an inner thing in some players you don't have to push very much there's other players that for whatever reason you have to push even more we're all created differently that way and that's that's the hard part the juggling act for a coach because it's not just about coming into the room and sending one message you might only get five or six guys that you know kind of react to that message you have to find a way to to bump into players on on a daily basis and try and get them to do things you're asking to do Listen, the players have to take more of this on themselves, too. They have to have an open approach to this. They have to go out there and try and learn and feed off as much as they can, and they have to go do their jobs, period. That's that's what it comes down to. But uh, this is a collective thing here. It's not just about the players. It's not just about the coaches. It's about everybody in that dressing room involved and everybody on the same page to come out and give themselves a chance to win because that's the only way they're going to do that because we've seen what happens when they start to get off the plan a little bit. It doesn't work out very well. All right, and part of the reason why it doesn't work out very well is they simply don't have the time. So I want to ask you a question point blank. Do you agree or disagree with this statement? The Edmonton Oilers are four forwards, four forwards worse than they envisioned when they came to training camp. And I'll tell you why. Number one, they traded Ryan Strome for Ryan Spooner. Ryan Spooner uh, is currently in the American Hockey League. Number two, they traded Drake Kajula in a deal for a sixth, seventh depth defenseman that some nights isn't playing. Number three, the Tobias Reader that they signed that had 12 to 16 goals has zero goals. He's not impacted the team. And number four, because they traded Strome, they've been looking for a third-line center ever since, and they've had to play Kyle Brodziak for 12 to 14 minutes instead of 9 to 11, and he hasn't been as a do you agree with that? I 100% agree with that. It just hasn't worked out the way they expected it to work out. And they haven't gotten... And that's part of the reason why Peter Sorelli's not here right Absolutely. It, it, there's been some consequences and there's been some reactions and, and decisions that had to be made because of that. But, I, you know, for me... Yeah, that you're you hit the nail right in the head. I mean, they're they're good enough they're up front. Good, they're a worse off team than they were because of the the decisions they've made, the movements they've made to try and bolster certain areas, and it hasn't happened. So, yeah, I mean, we there's no question that's been the, the factor, and I and I think when you 
when you look at it from that regard, you put players in positions where they probably shouldn't be. They're overstepping their capabilities. And I don't, I don't know of too many players where they've done that and been able to handle that for too long. Eventually, it's going to go the negative way. And that's what we've seen here in stretches. So... Listen, Ken Hitchcock has tried to shuffle the lines. He's tried to put different combinations together to try and spread that wealth out a bit to play different combinations of talent, um, grit, and size to, to try and make an equal balanced lineup. And it just hasn't seemed to stick to them. But, again, going back to the last three games after the break, they came out refreshed. They went up against the hottest team in the National Hockey League in the Philadelphia Flyers and had them. And then eventually lost that one over time. They went into... Montreal and a team that can skate, that can score, that can speed. They had them as well in the third period with a lead and lost that one in overtime. And then they had the Chicago Blackhawks 2-1 in the third period in their third game they played from the break. They need to continue to do those things that got them in that position. But when it's crunch time, um, just just settle in a little bit. Just con- just continue to believe in the fact that what you're doing is going to be enough to win the game and, and get timely scoring. Because I, I, the one thing I disagree is they do have offensive power. They have some guys that are having career years here offensively with this team that at any given moment in the game at the right time can make a difference. But you have to defend first and wait for those opportunities to arise. Attacks and they're heated today, so we're going to get to some of those. It's 12:51 in Edmonton. This is Oilers now. All right, welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with you momentarily. We're going to get to our Heartland Ford text line. This is Oilers now. Bob Stoffer joining you, and uh, suffice to say, a lot of you have a lot to say. So let's uh, let's get right to it. This text comes into us from Bill. Bill says, a couple of years ago, Bob, you hacked on Joe Sackick for his lack of progress with the Duchesne uh, trade. Going as far as to question his commitment to the position with the Avalanche. Now you're saying hiring Mark Messier wouldn't work. Only one of the all-time greats. Do you think you know more about hockey than Ron McLean and Mark Messier, Bob? I'm questioning your knowledge of hockey now. Bill, season ticket holder. Daily Oilers Now listener and Edmonton resident. All right, the reason why I second-guessed his commitment level with Joe Sakic, let's just say he went and watched his son play a lot of hockey, okay, during the time that he was with uh, the uh, Colorado Avalanche. Now, Joe has a, uh, a couple support guys that have worked in other organizations that helped him out. He made an unbelievable trade on Matt Duchesne. I have repeatedly said that stated that on numerous occasions. I'm still flabbergasted at the overall haul, which could end up being this year's number one overall pick. So to Joe Sackick's credit, he made an awesome trade for Matt Duchesne. But that thing lingered, in my opinion, for far too long. Okay? And I can tell you right now, the the job and the position, he just did an availability a couple days ago. They got the... They're on about as equally bad a run as the Edmonton Oilers, the Colorado Avalanche. In fact, they're one point ahead of Edmonton in the standings. In other words, they got roughly the same amount of wins over the last 20 games as the Oilers. As for not hiring Mark Messier, for what role? To be general manager? I don't know to what degree Mark Messier has been percolating in the New York Rangers organization. There's still people that think he's on the Oilers payroll. He's working, he's doing work with the Rangers organization, but I do not see him ever anywhere, okay? 
And right now, given the current state of where this franchise is at, I would suggest that bringing Mark Messier into BGM, even though Mark has leadership abilities, even though Mark is unquestionably a smart hockey guy, I don't know if he's really been building at the craft for this. And that is why I'm suggesting, for me, that does not make sense. You know what? Sometimes when you host shows like these, okay, and you're down at the rink every day because there's guys in town that host shows that never show up, but there's guys, you know, that host shows every day and they're around. You get a chance to talk to a lot of different people. You can see who does the work and who doesn't do the work, okay? But from my perspective, despite the fact that I personally love Mark Messi as a player, Okay, I don't know if he's really crafted a career out in the direction that, boom, he should be. Maybe I'm completely wrong. So I'll throw it out there since Bill thinks Mark Messi. Because I, I think what happened here is I just didn't rubber stamp what he's suggesting, which is that Mark Messi should be an option to be a general manager. I would rather see somebody that's worked at their craft. Okay? So I'll give you an example. Kelly McCrimmon worked at his craft. Norm McIver worked at his craft, really knows the pro side for the Chicago Blackhawks. Bill Guerin built a terrific farm system for the Pittsburgh Penguins, worked at his craft. We're in Minnesota, where Paul Fenton for years worked at his craft in Asheville and is now a GM. Keith Gretzky, you're Keith Gretzky. You have to work at your craft to get ahead. I, people say, oh, it's way great. He's worked at his, I'd rather see somebody that's worked at their craft. And you know what? The other part of that is whoever gets the job gets to pick and choose who they get, want to keep and who they want to get rid of. To me, that's how it kind of should work. So respectfully, Bill, I too have a tremendous appreciation for Mark Messier. But you know what? In my world, I don't have enough knowledge on him and haven't seen him around enough to work at his craft. And sometimes there's guys out there that don't really think they need to put the work in to get those type of jobs. That's, you know, that is a perspective that's out there. People listening, thanks for the text. All right, 1258 Edmonton. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Brian Burke, he worked at his craft. We'll talk to him for Canadian Power Pack when we come back. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.